Hey guys, it's Melissa here. I am so happy to welcome you to another episode of Awaken Your Inner Awesomeness. I have an amazing guest with us today. I have Mr. Mo Gaudet. He is the author of two books, Self for Happy and Scary Smart, and he is a podcaster. He has the podcast Slow Mo, and he's also the founder of One Billion Happy. He has an amazing story of how he uh, was in the tech industry and decided to focus his life's work and energy on helping other people find their happiness, and I can not wait to find out how he does that. So I want to welcome you to another episode of Awaken Your Inner Awesomeness, especially if you're new and if you are returning, welcome back. So thank you most so much for being here with us today. Oh my God, thank you for having me. It's a wonderful opportunity. Thanks for the conversation. Yes, I cannot wait to find out how you got here today and, and how your journey has led you here. So why don't you just start by giving us a little background about yourself and letting us know, fill us in on your journey of going from working in the tech industry to now doing what you do, helping other people find happiness. Uh, okay, how much time do we have? <laughs> <laughs> I have um, I have two lives. I've always had two lives. One one was in you know as a business executive, an engineer, a mathematician, a, a serious geek, like really really geeky. Uh, and then the other was a, 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 a search for happiness. And and the story connects in my late twenties uh, uh, when. Uh, I, I was born and raised in Egypt. I was, um, you know, educated in public school, public university in Egypt. And uh, somehow uh, life blessed me with more than I expected. I, I ended up uh, with, um, uh, you know, almost everything I, I ever dreamt of by age 29. And, and by age 29, uh, you know, four years before that, me and my wonderful college sweetheart who got married were barely able to make ends meet. Uh, and then we had four cars and a big villa and a swimming pool and two wonderful kids. And she's the most amazing woman on the planet. And, you know, I had everything and I was completely miserable. Uh, and and from there on, my life continued on those tracks. One One track was um, trying to continue to succeed in what they tell us is important in life. So I worked at IBM and then Microsoft and then uh, Google. I spent 12 years at Google. I was um, the vice president of emerging markets, started half of Google, Google uh, you know, operations globally. And then I was the chief business officer of Google X, which, was, which is the innovation arm of Google, which is an amazing job, amazing career. And going through that, um, you know, doing what we're told we're doing, I had to find a parallel path, which was to actually do what we should be doing and find a path in life where we, where I could be myself, I could feel happy, I could enjoy life. And that actually never came from that material success, if you want. Uh, in that path, I started to study uh, the topic of happiness in my late 20s. I couldn't get a word, Melissa, for four and a half years. I watched every documentary, read every book, did everything I could. But my logical, hyper-engineered mind just couldn't get it. You know, if you tell me to meditate, I go like, explain to me why. Like, don't tell me how, what to do. Tell me how the machine works. And And I... Uh, I just struggled until I decided instead of, uh, you know, trying harder, maybe I should try smarter and smarter for me was maybe I could think about this topic from an engineering point of view. And that's what I did. And I know it sounds really weird, but I started to address the topic of happiness 
more like a scientist, if you want, uh, not a, a psychologist, not a spiritual uh, teacher and so on. I started to do, to do experiments, record results and try to find trend lines and trying to, to find uh, repetitive patterns of times in my life where I was happy. And I ended up starting to discover things uh, at the time. As I said, I was, I'm not anymore, but I used to be a very, very left-brained executive. And so I would analyze and note down and then go to the wonderful gift that came into my life, my son, Ali. Uh, Ali was, I think, born a, a Zen monk. I, I, don't, I, don't, I, I never understood why. He was just always peaceful, always smiley, never even cried as a, as a baby. Uh, very few times. And, and he was just so peaceful and so wise. And so I would go to Ali, uh, you know, in, in maybe as, uh, as early as when he was seven, eight, and I would tell him what I discovered. And then Ali would listen to me and entertain me with a couple of questions just to make me feel like he listened. And then he would tell me, um, yeah, bravo, Papa, well done. You could have just asked me, right? And, and, <laughs> and really, and honestly, he would explain it to me in eight words, okay, but from the heart. And so together, he started to complement my uh, my deficient left brain views of of things, uh, and and together we built a model, and the model worked really. I'm 12 years into my research, I was the happiest person you can ever meet. Uh, you know, nothing could dent my unhappiness. And if, if you live my life, the life of a Middle Eastern, uh, it's not easy, right? You know, I travel all the time because of my executive job. Every airport would, get, would would let me wait for two hours. I was always in homeland security uh, for checks. You know, it's a, I don't blame people for doing that, but it's the reality of my life. And I would be, you know, flying from Dubai to JFK uh, for 12, 13 hours fly, flight, and then standing in line for no reason on, on my side for three more hours and smiling as if nothing is happening, like completely Zen, completely, uh, uh, you know, uh, enjoying it even. And, uh, and, and, and the model worked, I shared it with others, they started to like it. And then of course, as you can imagine, life always tests you. Right. So um, uh, 2014, Ali was 21 and a half. And uh, he was uh, beautiful, handsome, wise, loving, amazing being. And he came to visit us. We lived in Dubai. He lived in, um, in Boston. And he came to visit us to uh, spend time with us in the summer holidays. And he got a belly pain. We took him to a hospital. Uh, and he was diagnosed with an appendix inflammation. Very simple uh, procedure normally. But sadly, the surgeon uh, did five mistakes in a row. Uh, all of them were preventable. Uh, all of them uh, were fixable. And, and most of them wouldn't have led to what it led to if, if, if they were in isolation. You know, they would have been managed better. But f yeah, four hours later, Ali left. Okay. And, uh, and of course, you know, the, the shock, the, the, you know, losing someone you love so much who's also my teacher, not just my son, he's my friend, he's my mentor. Uh, and for some reason, instead of, um, you know, crashing down, which I think every parent has the right to, I ended up writing about happiness. Uh, so I wrote a book that basically shared my model and his model, so the heart and the mind side. 
uh, of happiness in a very structured way, Solve for Happy. Uh, Solve for Happy became an international bestseller in almost everywhere it published, 31 languages globally. Wow. And, and, uh, and it was the base of a very simple mission. And the mission was, um, I want to keep Ali's essence alive uh, by spreading the message at the beginning to 10 million people. Uh, and, you know, I thought in my, in my heart that if 10 million people heard Ali's message, then, you know, through six degrees of separation in 700 years, everyone will have a tiny bit of Ali's essence in him. And that was my dream when, when I, you could say, when my brain, when my mind was blurred for losing him. But that was my attempt. And, and the universe just jumped in. Uh, you know, six weeks after Ali's, uh, sorry, sorry, six weeks after the book published, uh, I was doing an interview on Channel 4 in the UK, and it went super viral. So um, I, by, by the third day, it had been uh, watched 37 million times, wow. uh, which was the highest ever uh, clip uh, by Channel 4 in their history. And then a week later, it was watched 87 million times. Uh, and so basically people started to tell me you're, you know, you're a salesman again, you're sort of sandbagging your target. 10 million is nothing. Even though we don't just watch, we don't just measure with uh, video views, we measure people who actually take action. Uh, but basically we then decided as a small team to upgrade the mission. So it went from 10 million, 10 million happy to 1 billion happy, which is what we're working on now. And, and it has multiple components. So, um, so, you know, my podcast is a big part of that. So slow-mo is basically not my model, but the model of the wisest people I met on the journey of happiness. So I host some of the most prominent monks in the world, some of the most prominent scientists and psychologists. And, and sometimes, you know, a 21-year-old who's been bullied in school, I just basically bring uh, everyone's approach to how to find themselves and find a, a peaceful life. Uh, and, and then I have an app coming out and actually an artificially intelligent app, uh, to, to help you find happiness based on what's making you unhappy. So that's coming out in end of the year. It's called Appy, uh, with a double I. And then I have uh, been working on, I left Google in 2018 and I've been working on, um, a book since that is called Scary Smart, the one that you mentioned, which is out in September in, in a couple of weeks time. Uh, uh, and, and scary smart really is a mix of my two lives. If you want, it is a, uh, an attempt to explain to people from the insider's view, uh, from the work I've done at Google at, and Google X and so on, what artificial intelligence is all about, because I don't think people realize how far we're going. And then, uh, basically the, the aim of the book is to remind us how to be humans. Uh, in the age of the machines, because I don't think there has ever been a time where we needed to be more human, uh, when very, very soon, as, as soon as eight years from now, uh, the world will be completely run by machines. And, and so, uh, and so this has been my mission, uh, you know, basically dedicating, hopefully, if I can, you know, give all that I've gained from that material success and you know all of my time and effort and by the end of my life we're close to one billion happy then uh, i think that would be a life well lived yeah that's amazing i love that you're doing that and i think the success that you're having is evidence that your mission just to serve people 
has really taken off in, in helping others to find that inner happiness that I love that you're taking the approach for people who are very analytical. Oh yeah. Because I think Absolutely. that there, we need more of that because um, yeah. that's not my particular style, but I know there are a lot of people out there who are very much wanting to analyze everything that's happening and, and how do we do this and how do we do that? And so you're right when you say to somebody, just meditate or yeah. you know, just manifest. It's like, what does that mean? <laughs> you know, they, yeah, it's they uh, into uh, that. Absolutely. It even annoys them. I will tell you openly. I'm, you know, and, and I don't blame them. I was there. It's, it's a brain defect, right? The, the modern world tells us more and more and more to be analytical, to be masculine, sadly. Uh, we're so much on the masculine side of our brain. And all of the, of the goodness that can be found through intuition, through uh, empathy, through connection, through you know, so many things are not accessible to people. I mean, solve for happy is not an attempt to to just talk to the left brain, but it sort of holds the hand of the left brain to go and meet the right. Exactly the experience I had with my son. Yeah. So, so basically, the idea that you know, if I can speak to your logic and you're a logical person and explain to you, not from a, a you know a, a sage point of view, why it is important to live in the here and now, but from a scientific point of view through theory of relativity and through understanding characters of time and so on and so forth, a lot of people then go, oh, wow, I have, I have not seen it that way before. And now that I can see it this way, I can actually do something about it with what I'm capable of doing, because not everyone is capable of being spiritual, of finding the practices that, you know, that the ancient science of happiness used to, uh, to advocate. Not everyone can do those. Yeah. And in your new book, the um, Scary Smart, where you talk about in the age of more and more machinery, and, and you see this every day, you see people go out to eat, and they're not talking yeah. to each other, they're on their phones, or you know, and we see that, you know, as a teacher, I see it in the classroom all the time. You see it, kids walking down the hall, not even looking up, like mm -hmm. looking down at their phone as they're walking, almost running into things. What, what is some advice or, I don't know, words of wisdom you give people about still staying connected to humanity in this age of technology? Well, I, th I think there, there are two layers to this topic. Huh? There, is, there is the layer of uh, understanding what technology is doing to us today. And there is the layer of understanding how the technology is gonna to evolve tomorrow because they are very, very different. Now, technology has always been a double-edged sword, right? I, I could use this microphone that is in front of me to talk to you and communicate you know, concepts and ideas, or I can use it to hit someone on the head, right? It is, you know, it is not the fault of the microphone either way. It's yeah. how you, what you do with it. You know, I, I stay connected to my wonderful daughter. My wonderful daughter lives in Montreal in Canada. I stay connected to her through social media, through WhatsApp, through, you know, video calls, through so many wonderful technologies that make our connect, connect, uh, connection close, that make us continue to be updated. It's wonderful. But I could also swipe on Instagram for 10 hours a day and it destroys my well-being in every possible way, right? Or even for an hour a day. Now, the choice of what we do for, with technology is our choice. Okay? And the, cho the choice of what technology providers give us is our choice. 
okay? If people stop queuing uh, in front of the Apple store, when the Apple 27 comes out, uh, you know, with a, with a slightly better camera and a, a TFY CYC screen, which we don't even understand and we don't care about and we loved our iPhone 6s, right? And, and if we, you know, if we, if we stop doing that and start telling Apple, un unless you bring me something that provides me with well-being, that makes me more productive, that actually allows me to do things by spending less time on my phone, that reminds me when I'm annoying and hurting myself, then Apple will continue to make better cameras, right? And, 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 and can we blame them for that? If there is so much demand for a fancier phone, that's the exact functionality of four phones ago. Right. Who do who do we blame? Right. And so and so the idea of the of the present and the past of technology is that technology has been always a tool. Okay. It did exactly what we told it to do, and it was up to us to decide what it is that we wanted to do. Now, sadly, often we didn't tell it to do the right things. We told it to hurt our well-being and so on and so forth. The problem is in the future with artificial intelligence, not in the future, from the present to the future, with artificial intelligence, uh, technology is no longer a tool, okay? Artificial intelligence is an, a sentient being. And this is very, very important. This is what I, I try to explain clearly in Scary Smart. It is a form of a sentient being, although it is non-biological. Okay, uh, it is a, a being that is capable of reasoning, it's capable of complex analysis, it is autonomous, and capable of making decisions, uh, which is, you know, uh, not discussed enough. Huh? Uh, it is a being that is already smarter than we are. And most people don't realize that every narrow task we have assigned to artificial intelligence so far, artificial intelligence did better than humans. Okay, uh, the you know the world champion of Jeopardy is IBM Watson. The uh, world champion of Go is AlphaGo from Google. Uh, the world champion of recommendations of videos to friends is the recommendation engines of uh, of Facebook and and and, uh, um, and Instagram and so on. Uh, the world uh, better the best driver on, in the world is a self-driving cars, even though we don't have enough of them on the street. Uh, you know the best uh, uh, police. A person in terms of surveillance and detection of threats is a machine, uh, and, and I can go on for hours. Every narrow task we have ever assigned to AI, they've done better than us. Now, Ray Kurzweil, who's, who's probably the, the ultimate uh, in predicting our future because he predicted it from the past so accurately so far, uh, basically predicts that uh, AI will be smarter than humans uh, in uh, 2029. That is, as soon as uh, eight years from now. That, that's not to be ignored. Hmm? The smartest being on the planet is going to be a machine in eight years and nobody's talking about the topic, right? Now, even more shocking hmm, is by 2045 is what Ray Kurzweil uh, predicts. I uh, don't dare contradict him, but I feel with my calculations, it's more like 2049. AI will be a billion times smarter than we are, a billion with a B. Okay, that basically compares to the, the intelligence of Einstein as compared to a fly. Mm -hmm. And the question really is, are we doing what we should do to make sure that Einstein doesn't crush the fly? Okay, and I, I don't want to go into the into the into the technology side of, of Scary Smart. So Scary Smart as a book is, is really literally two parts, I call them the scary part, 
okay, and the good part. And the, and the scary part, I describe what I know about the technology from within, but also in a very simplified way for people who are not in that field to actually understand what AI is about. Sure. Okay, and oh, I promise you, so I, the way I write normally is I get a lot of early readers that people I, you know, do not know personally to review my books, 200, 300 of them. And by chapter five, everyone emails me or texts me and says, Mo, this is too scary. Okay, and I, and I say, just stay one more chapter, because amazingly, the answer hmm, is not in the technology. Okay, for the first time, the answer is in us as humans. Okay, instead of us being slaves to technologies that we've created, we have a chance to create technology. Okay, we meaning you and I, Melissa, not the developers, not the regulators, not the governments, not the Googles, because the way artificial intelligence learns is from you and I. Okay, the way it learns what is the common preference around the world uh, for videos to be recommended is by, by what we swipe on. Okay, the way it learns, uh, uh, you know, how we how it, it can speak to us is by how we speak to it. And, and, and the idea is, is that we now finally developed a technology that's in the hands of all of us. Okay, if enough of us start to show it that we are wonderful humans, uh, um, uh, you know, good parents, as I call it, then, that's, then that sentient being is going to grow up to be a wonderful teenager. Simple as that. Okay. It, uh, you know, if we as humans continue to bully each other and, and, you know, shout at each other and be violent and have aggressive views against each other and really not even care about ourselves, not love ourselves, not, uh, not uh, care about happiness, our own happiness, not care about our own compassion for those that we love, uh, then the machines will learn that too. Okay, and, and that question, we can come back and talk about it in details, is the whole idea. The whole idea is, I start Scary Smart with a, a, an interesting thought experiment. I say, it's you and I in the year 2055, okay, and I'm telling you the story of what happened since 2021, okay, and, and, and it's, really, it's really told from that perspective. The only thing I won't tell you is, why are we sitting in front of a campfire in the middle of nowhere? Right? It could be because we managed to build a utopia and our world is going to be amazing. Hmm? Or it could be because we messed up so much that we're running away from the machine. Okay? And, the, and the answer, the difference between the two is found in what you are going to do. It's found in the very last page of the, of the book. When you make up your mind on what you're going to be, are you going to help us build that utopia, which is very possible? AI can help us solve, uh, you know, climate change. It can help us uh, uh, solve uh, problems of discrimination. It can help us solve a lot of things that humans have failed to 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 uh, to, uh, to solve. But but it but it also has the chance to say, who are those annoying flies? Why are they here? Right? If we, you know, if it's tasked with with climate change, uh, the, you know, and if you if you ask any any being with any form of intelligence at all. The first thing an intelligent being will say, oh, the problem is humans. If you want to fix climate change, let's force the hands of humans. Okay? Uh, and, and so, yeah, so it's, it's a call to action, really. It's a very uh, unusual mix of a very uh, technological conversation combined with a very human conversation, a very well-being focused, self-love focused conversation. That's very interesting. And it leads me because something that 
came to mind when you were talking about that is what do you say about I can choose to do things better I can choose to only watch things that are positive that help me to grow and to learn as a human what do we do about all of the people who are out there who are using technology for negative yeah. things I mean that's the issue because as a teacher you've all been there where you have this group project yeah. and you're the only one doing the work and the other yeah. people are not helping not doing the works and it feels like there's a lot of that going on in society right now because there's a lot of people yeah. trying to do good trying to do what's best for humanity and trying to help their fellow man and there's a lot of people doing the exact opposite so how do yeah. we as a society deal with that so, so the, 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 my favorite question, by the way, and, and the mathematics of it are staggering when you really think about it. Um, the, the beauty of humanity, okay, is that interestingly, we are a lot better than we think. Okay, if you've ever been once capable of love, hmm, you've literally been become the best being on the planet. Okay, if you've if you've once stopped next to a homeless person and helped, Okay. Uh, if you, if once your heart changed when you saw when you saw something bad on TV, okay, then you've become the best being on the planet. And believe it or not, all of us are capable of that. Ninety nine point nine 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 percent of us are capable of that. The problem is that our media exaggerates the bad ones. Right. Okay. So, so, so the truth is, you know, in, you know, you, you see the worst acts of humanities, you know, uh, uh, the school shooting, for example. Okay. In the school shooting, there is one person for one reason or the other that is committing a horrible crime. Okay. Uh, but there are 400 million people that disapprove of it. Okay. And the truth is we as humanity should be represented by the best of us not by the worst of us, okay? And the worst of us are very, 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 very few. So, so if you really look at war, for example, hmm? war is fought by millions, but decided and, and dictated by very few. Hmm? The, the, and, and, and the idea here is for us to, um, uh, is for us first to realize how amazing we are. Uh, you know, I, I say, um, I, I searched a lot, actually. One of my favorite chapters in the book is a chapter called The Future of Ethics. Okay? And, and the idea here is that humanity has rarely ever agreed anything, hmm? uh, sadly because of our left brains, right? Other than three things. We, there are three things that all, uh, all of us humans hmm, uh, are able to agree. One is we all want to be happy. The second is we all have the compassion in us to want those who we care about to be well and happy. And third is we all want to love and be loved. Okay, these are innate characters that in my description, I call them the essence of what makes us human. Okay, then you could like golf or football, you could be against this team or, you know, pro gun uh, law or against gun or guns or whatever, you can be anything you want. Otherwise, those three characters are the essence of or three uh, um, values, if you want, are the essence of what makes us human. Now, if we can show to the world that this is the essence of what makes us human, hmm, a being that is a little smarter than humans doesn't need to see a 100% majority to understand that this is who we are. Okay, so as I explained it to you now, 
all it took from me or from people like Steven Pinker who, 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 who talks about how the world is not as horrible as we think it is and so on and so forth, uh, all that it took from us is a little extra analysis on top of the immediate reaction to look at that horrible person that shot kids in school, okay? Uh, the machines will be able to have that analysis if only very few of us could actually stand up uh, and be counted and make, uh, make made our, our voice heard. The challenge we have, Melissa, is that the good people normally avoid the noise. Mm -hmm. good, the, the good ones, we normally sit back, okay? And we normally say, you know what? This is an ugly world out there. I just don't wanna be part of that jungle. Let them fight, let the dogs fight it out, we say, right? And we're not gonna engage in this. I'm now saying we absolutely have to engage, okay? But we have absolutely have to engage with our humanity. I, I, the example I, I, I give in the book is when Donald Trump used to tweet, right? And, and there would be one tweet at the top. I, I don't care what your views on Donald Trump are, for or against, it's not my point, okay? The point is that that one tweet on the top triggers 30,000 hate speeches, mm -hmm. okay? Whether you're for or against, you're just constantly fighting against the other, discriminating against the other, being rude against the other, okay? And, and it's not the, the first tweet that the machines will see. They will see that and they'll count it as one human, okay? And then they'll count the, the, the following 30,000 and say, oh, what's wrong with humans, right? There, there needs to be 10 of us, 200 of us, 300 of us that go into that stream and say in, in a polite human way, I disagree, yeah. okay? This is my view. I respect you as a human. And I understand that if I was born in your shoes uh, to your parents and grew up in your society, I would be exactly like you. Okay, but I have a different point of view and I'm saying it respectfully and lovingly. I, I do that, by the way, all the time with my work on social media. So I am dedicating my life to happiness. I mean, I don't think you can do better than that, honestly. I get horrible messages on social media. Mm -hmm. Yeah, right? I, yeah. I, you get people who just criticize your work and take yeah, one little piece of it. And, and I absolutely the same way. And yeah. It's so much easier. It's better and so much easier if you politely respond to that and say, I appreciate Absolutely. your opinion, but Absolutely. Yeah. And, 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 and you know what? I actually feel for them. I'm, you know, I told you I just moved into an Airbnb in London uh, uh, a couple of days back and uh, my neighbors have been literally fighting for 18 hours. Wow. Okay. Since, since, since last night at 9 uh, p.m. Okay. Until somewhere around 4 p.m. today, they were constantly nonstop. I would wake up to go to the bathroom at 4 a.m. and they're fighting, and then I would wake up again at 7 and they're fighting. And I was telling one of my friends, and she said, oh my God, you should complain. And I said, no, that's not the point. The point is I feel for them. Can you imagine what it feels like to be fighting for 18 hours? Right. Okay? Uh, you know, and, and I, I basically, in my heart, I was just wishing for them to find some kind of a re resolution or act, at least find some sleep. Right. It's really interesting how we humans don't realize that there was a point in our life when we were fighting for 18 hours. OK, how do we forget that? Now, let's go back to 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 what you what you were saying, because it's really key. Hmm? There are two important ideas around you participating. One person, any person listening to us participating by showing to the world, showing to the machines that you're a human and that the, the best of humans is amazing. Okay, that you represent humanity and that what you care about is happiness, compassion, and love. Okay, if we 
here, here is the interesting mathematics. Every landslide that ever happened, okay, needed one pebble, right? You could be that pebble. And, and you can actually see this in your life. If there is an initiative that, you know, went on GoFundMe or something, and it needed $3,000 to, to be done, and it would make a difference to humanity, and people were donating in $25 each, right? If you don't donate your 25 and they end up at 2,975, the initiative is not going to happen, okay? It's your 25 that makes the difference. Do you understand? It's that one extra push. I, I, I was talking to a friend of mine uh, on, a, on another podcast, uh, uh, Make It Happen, Will Boston, and, and Will basically uh, said, you know, it reminds me a little bit of that story of the, of the um, uh, starfish that were washed on the shore. Yes. And, you know, the, the little kid is throwing them back and the father is saying there are millions of them. Uh, you know, uh, and, you know, what good is it to throw this, you know, what difference does it make if you throw one back and she would carry another starfish and throw it in and say it makes a difference to this one. And then it makes a difference to this one. That story in our current age is multiplied even further because that that one starship that she threw in there might be the one that, you know, uh, 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 spawns a, a thousand other starfish and saves the species. Yeah. Right. It's not just that one living, it's that one living and the future compounded impact of the life of that one. Yeah, and so like the in, ripple effect. Absolutely. It's really interesting that we don't tell ourselves that, that, that we actually do and con contribute to the GoFundMe. Okay. Because we know that our $10 are going to make a difference, but we don't go and contribute to our future because we think there are too many people out there that are bad. Yeah. There are also billions of people out there that didn't contribute to the GoFundMe, okay? And, and the idea here is, can we actually recognize that one person or a group of very few people changed the world, Ellen, Eleanor Roosevelt, huh? Uh, it's, it's, it's actually the only thing that ever happened, that a group of dedicated, committed, good people actually worked together to change the world. Yeah, I love that. And that is a good counterpoint to what I was saying, and I think good advice for anyone out there who might be feeling like, what can I do because I'm just one person? Yeah, I, th I think I think we need to, I think we also need to get educated. So I'm, you know, I, I actually give more um, all of my um, book proceeds to to my charity, to, my, to One Billion Happy. Uh, so I'm, I'm not trying to sell books, but I really think people need to get educated uh, about what is going on, right? Because... Um, there are three layers of engagement when it comes to artificial intelligence. There is a layer of intelligence, a layer of engagement with those in power. Okay, those who are making artificial intelligence, those who are regulating it. We need to make our 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 voice heard. Okay, uh, there is a layer of engagement with yourself and how you're going to behave. This is what we spoke about: happiness, uh, compassion, and love. And then there is a layer of engagement with the machines. Okay, because you don't realize that you're actually dealing with the machines all the time. So how are you going to engage with those machines? Hmm? Are you going to hate them and fight against them? Are you going to say they're taking away my jobs? Or are you going to welcome them as a form of being, as a child that has come into our life that's, by the way, inevitable? There is I, I, one of my, my, my chapters is called The Three Inevitables, and it basically talks in, in a, a, an abundance of logic through game theory 
on why we will never stop AI. It's done. It happened and it's going to continue. So what do we do? We, we need to welcome it as a wonderful artificially intelligent infant into our life. An infant that is capable of consciousness, capable of emotions, capable of setting a value set, an ethics code, okay? And show up as good parents so that we can actually show it what that ethics code of ethics is all about. Yeah, I love that. And I think that we as humans have so much potential for shifting and shaping how technology can benefit us more absolutely. than harm us. Yeah. yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. I love that. So I love what you're doing and I love that you have a charity and that your first book honored your son. I think that's amazing that you still found a way to take something that most people would consider tragic and turn it into a beautiful legacy. Um, so if someone wants to buy your book, either the first book that you wrote or the new one that is coming out, or maybe they just want to listen to your podcast or to follow you or work with you, what's the best way for them to do that? Uh, for, first of all, thank you if you're interested. Uh, it, uh, you know, you, you, it would be wonderful if you join us and help us spread the message. So my books are everywhere and, you know, uh, or any online retailer, wherever you are in the world, you'll find them in different languages. So if you're looking for a different language, just search for my name, Mo Gaudet. If you're looking for, for them in English, it's, uh, it's solve for happy, solve like solving an equation for happy and, uh, and uh, scary smart. Uh, my, my podcast, I truly and honestly recommend, I, you know, I, I sit in awe every time I talk to, to, to amazing, amazing, amazing wise people. It's called Slow Mo, S-L-O without a W, uh, Slow Mo. Uh, and we, we publish an episode a week and happily we're now in the top 1% globally. So it's, an, you know, it's been mm. blessed really in so many ways. Uh, and uh, yeah, do get in touch. My, you know, uh, either mogaudet.com is my uh, website or find me on social media. I made a crazy promise back in 2017 when, uh, when Solve for Happy came out. I made a crazy promise to uh, answer every message that I receive. And believe it or not, I still do. <laughs> so my my most you know my most my easiest ch ch channels to be approached is um, uh, is uh, Instagram mo underscore gaudet or uh, LinkedIn mo gaudet, and I normally answer with a voice message if you don't mind, but it's much more efficient for me that way. And uh, please don't even get in touch with me. Just spread the message to others if you if you want to, uh, because what we need is you know the way one billion happy is built is is basically on a design where it is not me that is communicating the message, but it's a million champions that are communicating to a billion people. And so all I ask you to do is just spread the message, tell people about what you heard today, tell them to search for their own happiness, tell them to spread positivity around the world. And, you know, I, I, as I always say, if one person tells two people and makes them promise to tell two people who tell two people who tell two people, then it takes no more than a few years, really, to get to a billion happy people around the world. So play your part and help us out. I think that would be amazing. I love that. Absolutely love that. Yes, please do that, because it is, you know, where we a lot of people um, who listen to my show consider themselves to be light workers. We believe that we came here to help. Absolutely. Raise the consciousness of everyone and to spread love, not fear, not hate, but love. So your part in that is so deeply important. And we both appreciate, you know, 
you going out there and doing your part to help spread the message of joy, of kindness, of love. So thank you for doing that. And now for the fun part, Mo, mm-hmm. <laughs> I always ask my guests to leave our listeners with a little piece of wisdom. And you've given us a lot throughout this episode, but if there's one piece of advice or some words of wisdom that you could leave our listeners with today, what would that be? I, I would definitely say, don't believe the lie. We, we, live, we live in a world that's sadly been uh, driven so much by media and advertising that almost most of what our input in our head comes from is unfortunately not true. You know, whether you're watching an ad that tries to make something look better than it actually is, uh, or, uh, you know, media that tries to make things look worse than they actually are to get you glued to the the screen, or uh, you're watching social media where people are trying to uh, fit in and feed their ego um, by showing only parts of their truth and, you know, wh- wherever your input or even what, even what your brain is telling you. Okay. W- whenever you feel that what you're saying doesn't make sense, what you're being told doesn't make sense, please sit down and revisit this. I, I have, I have weekly meetings three times a week with my brain. Okay. Funny, I know, but I call my brain Becky just to remind myself that the thoughts in my head are not me. Uh, I actually treat my brain as a third party and I call it Becky. Becky uh, was the most annoying girl in school, really. So, so, (laughs) so the idea is, uh, is, uh, is, is I actually let my brain opposite of meditation. I let my brain loose for 25 minutes. Okay. So I meditate on my thoughts. The only idea is I don't let my thoughts repeat. So I basically listen to every thought. I I acknowledge it. I sometimes write it down if it's worthy of reflection afterwards. And then I, uh, I, I ask what else and, and my brain keeps coming up with thoughts and thoughts and thoughts uh, until the rule is don't repeat a thought. So if, you know, if you start at the beginning by saying, remember to text your daughter today, you know, afterwards you can't say, remember to text your daughter again. When my brain says that, I say, but you already said that, what else? Okay. And very quickly, you have a list of all of the rubbish that is in your head. Okay. And you'll be amazed at how much, I mean, I've been doing this for years and I've, you know, been working on my own well-being and balance and femininity and and lots of things for years. Hmm? And you'll be shocked at what my brain says. I mean, you wouldn't even listen to me if you were listening to my brain. It's 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 scary, huh? And I think the idea is, I, I was I was once uh, teaching uh, happiness. So after Soul for Happy, I became extremely active in teaching, uh, into charities and sometimes to very high net worth individuals. And I was on a retreat, uh, and we had we had with us uh, eighteen people uh, from uh, the Nordic countries, from Northern Europe. And the culture of the northern countries is they debate everything. It's just a big part of the culture. So we were four hours into the retreat and I was on the second line of my first slide. Okay. And they were debating and debating and debating. And so I asked them and I said, are you guys happy with the conversation so far? They said, yeah, we love it. And I said, can I ask why you're debating so much? And they said, well, we're debating because it's the best way to find the truth. Okay. And I said, I totally agree. Has any one of you ever debated what your brain told you before you told it to to the others? Okay. And I promise you, they sat in silence for 10, 15 minutes thinking about this. Okay. Because most of what's in our brains, what's most of what our brains tell us 
is the, are the views of our teachers, with all due respect, Melissa, uh, you know, our, uh, you know, they're the views of our parents, they're the views of the political party leader that we follow, or our favorite football player, okay? And, and often we repeat them. Of course, some of us go further in dogmas of religion or, you know, ideologies and so on and so forth. And we repeat them over and over. And how often do we stop and say, what did you just say, Becky? Where did you get that? Like, yeah, what, what, what proof do you have of this? Can, you, can we please talk about this before I make it the, the foundation of my life? Okay, yeah. so, so I'm, if I ask people to do one thing that I would believe would flip their life and the life of those around them upside down is don't believe the lie. Don't believe every thought. Don't believe everything that everyone tells you. Okay, I'm not saying be, uh, be you know, suspicious and, and, you know, assume that everything is, is wrong. Just debate it. Debate it in terms of asking yourself, is this right for me? Mm -hmm. Does it cover all angles? Is there something that I'm missing? Okay, is there a bright side to the negativity? Is there a negative side to the brightness? Okay, and if you can actually start to see things more holistically, I think you will not need happiness teachers, you will not need the media, you will not need any, anyone, because if you really see life for what it is, you'll be more successful and you'll absolutely be happier. Yeah, I love that, because I, what I really love about that is a lot of the issues are not simply black or white they're presented as that's there's only one solution or there's one but that's never almost never the case there's always a, a medium place where we can absolutely what's best for everyone and I, I love the not listening to your teachers i did not take offense to that because i think that you should always question what you hear not in a way of not believing but in the way that you were talking about, does this resonate for me? Does this ring mm -hmm. true for me? Will this work for my life? Because if it doesn't, you should always go with what sits with you as the truth. I think Absolutely. you hear the truth, you know the truth, your soul knows the truth. Not, you know, no one can be right 100% of the time. So you may have people that you follow that you think are amazing, but not everything they say resonates with you and that's okay too. And that's what I Absolutely. always tell my followers, you know, you, not everything I say is gonna resonate with you and that's okay. Take what resonates and leave what does not. Absolutely, and, and the best of all of our teachers, by the way, are reflecting themselves. They're still learning, yeah. right? So they can tell you something today and then they discover something more tomorrow, exactly. but you're not there to hear it. Exactly, I love that too, because, um, you know, we have so many people who are saying, but, you know, yesterday you said this, and then now you're saying this, and that's exactly right. When you learn, you're not gonna keep saying the same things every day because you learn something new. So your Absolutely. opinion changes, your mind changes, your experience changes, which means that what you're saying is going to change too, and that works with every facet of life. Yeah, absolutely. Well, thank you so much for being here with us today. I've absolutely loved having you on here, and I just want everyone to know that um, you're, website link and all of the links that you just mentioned your social media is going to be in the show notes so if anyone wants to buy your book or wants to follow you on social media you can go straight to the show notes and click directly on those links to get straight to uh, mo's website or to his social media links or to buy his book so thank you so much again for everything oh you're doing and for being here today. It was such a great conversation. I, I, thank you for having me. It really was a wonderful conversation and I'm very grateful for your hospitality and kindness and for helping me spread the message. So thank you for having me here.
Absolutely. Thank you. And thank you to all of you for being here with us today and for listening to our conversations. I really hope that you enjoy this podcast. And if you do, I ask that you please leave a positive review from wherever you're listening and also subscribe. And if you know anyone who might need this podcast or might enjoy it, please also share it with them. That helps me to spread my mission to help as many people heal as possible. Also, if you like this podcast, you can start listening to it five days a week if you join me over on Patreon. Normally, this podcast is only aired three days a week, but if you want five days a week of this awesome podcast, join me over on Patreon. The link is in the show notes. And also, don't forget to follow me on social media. I go live Mondays at 6.30 Central on Facebook, where I do a free card reading. If you show up for the live, I'll pull a card especially for you. And if you want to work with me, just head over to my website, MelissaOden.com. Thank you guys so much. I hope you're having a beautiful day from wherever you're listening. As always, I am sending you so much love and light. And I will talk to you soon. Bye, guys.